Well, good morning. I'm going to go ahead and get started. I'm hoping everyone can hear me. Um, presenting in a ballroom is sort of like a fantasy. When I was a little girl, I wanted to be a lounge singer. And uh, this is like the closest thing to it I have ever come. And I'm not a little girl anymore by anybody's stretch of definition. So I want to thank you uh, for coming to this session because we're always looking for an opportunity to talk to you a little bit about our BibFrame initiative and also uh, quite a bit about the process that we're using, which is really where you will come in. My name is Roberta Schaefer, and I have the most non-descriptive title for a library that anyone could ever have. My title is Associate Librarian for Library Services. And um, my special assistant always teases me because I've been in this role for 15 months. And before that, I was the law librarian of Congress. And Leslie is always saying to me, now that has gravitas. Your current title, nobody knows what you do or anything about your remit. So let me take just a few minutes this morning to tell you about my position at the library and to kind of then position my position into um, what the Library of Congress is doing in other areas that fit in with BibFrame. And, and I hope you won't mind indulging me just for a little bit in that regard, because I think it will help to uh, explain why we're undertaking the BibFrame initiative and uh, where it does fit into our goals to be the library of the 21st century. And um, I know many people in the room have similar goals, even if you change the noun, something of the 21st century. And that's probably because we've seen so much happening at the end of the 20th century that makes us realize that it's not just a, a timeline marker. There's a lot that's new and different, uh, or that will be new and different in the uh, 21st century. So in, uh, in, the, in my elevator speech, if anybody asks me, so what's your uh, vision for the Library of Congress for the 21st century? Just in case they're only going one floor in the elevator, I have it put down this way. Statistics show us that Americans have the most recognition of one federal agency, and that is the Internal Revenue Service. My goal is to have the Library of Congress share or not share any attributes with the Internal Revenue Service. And so by that I mean that most Americans interact with the IRS only once a year. And if they have any more than one interaction, they really can't stand it. They hate it. They're scared of it, okay? So go to the opposite end of the poll and say, that what I want every American, not just scholars, not just legislators, but every American, to interact with the Library of Congress multiple times in the year. And every time they have the interaction, to come away feeling really fulfilled and feeling like their tax dollars are being put to good use. So that's kind of my polar opposite of the IRS. And when the Census Bureau does that survey again, I want the Library of Congress to be that agency that wins the most recognition. So the Library of Congress, we've been around for over 200 years, 
and we have a kind of, uh, we say, sort of dual purpose. <laughs> My husband's a psychiatrist, so he says it's schizophrenic up there, but I don't think he means it in exactly the same way that I would or you might. But nonetheless, we serve as truly the Library of Congress, providing the research services, the analytical research, to the United States Congress, staff of Congress, and also to congressional committees. And so that ends up being a pretty big pool of clients. The law library within the Library of Congress also statutorily is required to serve the legal needs of all the federal government entities. So that's the legislative branch in addition to the executive branch and the judicial branch. And that's a pretty uh, big remit. Now, when we first were founded in the early 1800s, we took the idea of being the Library of Congress very seriously. And so our collections and our services reflected the kinds of research needs that a young nation would have. And um, it really wasn't until after the uh, Civil War that we started to look at how we would be serving the, the needs of the business community and the educational community in America. And we kind of took that as our um, late 19th century, early 20th century marching orders. And then, then in the sort of 1920s, we came to realize that we were going to indeed be um, a, a big power. I don't think the superpower label came in until around World War II, but nonetheless, we sort, we sort of realized that. We saw that our um, industrialization was affecting the world, exports, and um, that we were having much more of a diplomatic footprint around the world. So we, we, we saw ourselves in this more superpower or international power role, and as a result of that, we really started collecting very heavily materials that were not U.S. generated. And so today, one of the things that I think surprises people is that over 60% of the collections in the Library of Congress are not in English. So that also takes out all those English-speaking countries. That excludes them in this 60%. And that's because the way America defines herself as a national library, unlike many other national libraries around the world, is that we must be cognizant of what is happening with other cultures and other nations in order to serve America as her national library. And that is the rationale behind that goal. So now, looking to what we will be in the 21st century, we are pursuing a number of initiatives, BibFrame being a critical aspect of that. And let me just tell you what they are very quickly, these others. They are that we're developing a program to bring in, for the most part, college students or people who have just graduated from college. We're calling this the Knowledge Navigators Program. And the design here is to develop the next generation of expert researchers, hoping that they will bring both a domain knowledge and a, tech a technical skill to 
the whole space of research, whether that means that they are going to be librarians or information professionals in, in a very specific way, or whether that means that we just want to have a part in assuring that the workforce of the United States has the ability to do research and appreciate what good or valid research is. I'm not going to go to the, the goal of truth, wisdom, and apple pie today. The second is an initiative to do much more collaborative work. And this includes our own initiative, the World Digital Library, which now has about 156 partners, but also our joining of entities like science.gov, the Worldwide Science Alliance, and the um, Biodiversity uh, Heritage Library. The next is ingesting and trying to then serve all kinds of social media. And this includes, of course, the big news that, uh, well, two and a half years ago this month, we uh, were the lucky prize winners of the uh, Twitter archive. And um, it's basically taking us more than two years to figure out how we will serve that kind of information. But nonetheless, it's sort of just another big data challenge. And it's something that the Library of Congress is very committed to and something that has a definite relationship to the BibFrame initiative. And then that we're also committed in a much more um, aggressive way where copyright is not applicable to converting a lot of the analog materials into digital formats so that they can be served. We still don't believe or we're still not confident that digitization is a preservation format. So it's a, it's a confidence level on that score, but nonetheless a service level on digitization. And then ingesting a lot more material that is born digital. And then finally, that we are upgrading and sort of modernizing our website. Um, the website has been very, very siloed or vertical since we have had one now and it's been many, many years. And the idea is that we want you to be able to come to the Library of Congress website, and no matter what the format of material is, no matter where it is actually stewarded within the institution, you should be able to find what we have. And one of my favorite examples of the history here is Mozart. Um, if you just want to find out everything we have on Mozart, we probably have tens of thousands of items. But depending in the past on where you entered the Library of Congress, from what door, you might have only found five things. And the, of those five things, three might have been an opera score. One might have been uh, some information about the confection company in Vienna. And another might have been about a boutique motel, excuse me, hotel, uh, on Union Square in San Francisco. And so we need to sort of fix that kind of problem because we have so much material, but how do you then get what you want? Just everything on Cosi Contuto, something like that. So it's, it's been a big problem. And then the final thing we're doing, which is um, sort of my pet project, is we're trying to consolidate certain of our reading rooms 
Because what we have observed is that researchers coming to the Library of Congress no longer want to be sent to 22 different sites where our reading rooms are. Their expectation is one point of service. And um, the other thing is that their research reflects transdisciplinary kinds of problems. So I think that um, we have seen interdisciplinarity, we've seen multidisciplinarity, and now we're seeing a world of transdisciplinarity where the boundaries and the borders between the information-seeking behaviors, the kinds of resources, and indeed the problems that people are trying to solve don't comport, don't know about disciplinary boundaries anymore. Everything is kind of uh, all together. And so we want to punctuate that by providing a central point of service within the Library of Congress. And indeed, I think that that, um, in many ways, is sort of the, the last initiative and the one that we're really going to talk about today. And I'm, and I'm, talk is the operative word. It sounds like I'm lecturing to you and I, you know, love having a ballroom at my disposal. But um, we really want at least to get into your mind the idea that this is a very iterative process um, that while we, we kind of know what we want the end to look like, we're really on a journey that is designed to replace the MARC format. And um, I see some of you in the room who can probably remember a life before MARC. I know I can. Uh, but MARC is, uh, is marking or is, has been in service for uh, 40 plus years. And um, Sometimes that's scary when you think about that, particularly if you remember uh, things like AACR1, which wasn't AACR1, but I do for sure. I learned that in library school. So Mark is kind of, uh, is kind of tired. It's kind of ready to retire, like, like many of us. And um, what we are trying to do is find what is the next what is the next format that we should be, we, in the very, very communal sense, be putting our efforts towards in the new information world? So Mark, very, very wonderful for the mid-20th century. Very, very, uh, very, very flexible, very, very useful. But how are we now going to be able to pull in for people who want access all different kinds of format and sources of information. How are we going to enable somebody who wants to find the books, the journals, the movies, the musical scores, and yes, the blogs and the tweets and the Instagrams? How are we going to design a system that will facilitate that? And maybe even possibly somebody who wants to be able to um, marry all that up with an eBay search. Who knows? Because this is our belief of how people expect to do research. And so Bibframe is starting out with that as the goal, to enable a global access to information that doesn't look at where it's coming from, who created it, and and heaven forbid, the format that it is exactly in. 
And so that is our goal. We also want to take advantage of the web. The web, of course, um, was not around when Mark was created. Technology was, and Mark very much was a child of the technology that was available at its time. But now we have to be the children of the web. And we have to be able to exploit the kinds of opportunities that the web environment creates for us. At the same time, there are a number of new cataloging rules that are bubbling up. Many of them also motivated by things that technology enables. And so how can we then make sure a new format is able to exploit those? And to be quite frank with you, not be married to one format. So be able to serve a number of formats that may that are or may be out there. And then, last but not least, we need to better harness search engine power for libraries. And, um, and this is a key motivator that the library faces all the time. When would our materials show up on a list? Um, is it going to be on the fifth page? Or is it going to be the first or second choice? And this is a big goal for us because, you know, excuse me for bragging, but I think libraries have some of the best content out there. And it's a shame that it often is hidden and maybe even unfindable. Maybe findable, but someone's patience wears out or their clicking finger wears out before they get to the place that they, uh, that they will find what they need. So what we're trying to develop now at this phase is a very high-level kind of overview or framework of how we will be able to use the web um, and link data. And the, the process that we're using is not unique to the Library of Congress. We have participated over many, many years in a similar process where, you know, as Stephen Covey said, start with the end in mind. So we have a sense of where we want to be. But we haven't exactly mapped out the entire route. So I kind of think of it as being on a big family trip across country. And we know that we're going to uh, start in point A and end in point Z. But maybe we only know in any given time frame the A to C or the A to E. And we're iteratively building this with feedback on the kinds of things that we encountered on the trip what was good, what worked, what interested us, and not build the whole thing and then evaluate it. And we did this in the past with Mark's development itself, with uh, Z3950, and actually with uh, the development of RDA, where we sought input. And that was why we were so grateful to CNI, and actually I am grateful to all of you for um, not going to another session this morning, but being willing to come here this morning and hear a little bit about what BibFrame uh, hopes to be. So we're using this iterative process. We're not doing this alone. We're drawing upon our own staff expertise. This is my opportunity to uh, call out and welcome and acknowledge the phenomenal Sally McCallum, who's sitting right here and um, who sits at my table in my office with me 
quite frequently having to answer all my incredibly basic silly questions but with phenomenal, uh, phenomenal expertise and she is heading up the process within the library. But we're also engaging contractors, consultants. Many of you know Eric Miller and he has been with us pretty much from the beginning and we hope will stay with us for at least another few rounds. And then there are other experts in the field that we have identified who we would like to bring in as special consultants to the process. The other thing that we're doing, and we're kind of um, happy with this approach, is we have a very, very small group of, of entities, institutions represented by people who are being called early experimenters. We went back and forth with uh, terminology for them and initially we were calling them early adopters and we realized that that's not really their goal. They're not really adopting a system, they're not, in the, they're not the beta. They are really the pre-beta. They're the experimenters. They play with ideas and they give us feedback as a group and it's a, it's a very small group representative for us of constituencies that that we think will give us different kinds of feedback. So of course we have um, our sister library, the National Library of Medicine, and we also have OCLC, and then George Washington and Princeton, uh, the British Library, uh, the German National Library, uh, and mostly the, uh, those two for their RDA and for their Europeana experience. And then of course we are ourselves not only managers of this but also considering ourselves part of the early experimenters. And um, what our plan is that ultimately this will be crowd developed. So we've got the early experimenters. Many of you know that you can now go to our website where we have certain, um, certain things that we're doing already up there. We have uh, some sandboxes there so you can play with some of the things that are happening in very, very short order. We will also have what, um, what Sally calls point papers, kind of like issue papers that our partners, our early experimenters have brought up. Things that um, they've encountered or things that they would like us to think about as exemplars of the community. And um, we encourage you to go to the website and to please encourage your staff to go there. Now, what are our expectations? Well, Mark was um, in, the, in the marketplace for 40 years. Um, I, I always like to think, I'm not particularly a, a religious person, but I think Moses was also in the desert for 40 years. And so whenever we talk about Mark and that, I always think, hmm, wandering. But Mark did not wander. But um, we really anticipate a multi-year development. Because we're doing this in an iterative way, we anticipate a multi-year development. We also want to do this in steps because we realize that we are out there in a very, very changing environment. When I was getting a little bit insecure in the beginning about the fact that we didn't know exactly the route we were taking for BibFrame, there was an article in the Harvard Business Review and it just was sort of the therapy I needed at the moment. Because what it said was, in today's environment, all work is work in progress. So all work is WIP. 
And that made me feel quite a lot better about how we're approaching BibFrame. It's a work in progress. It's a work in process as well. We don't anticipate that there'll be a time in the near future or even in the far future where there'll just be a switch and Mark will be gone and we'll have a very, very elaborate funeral for it and BibFrame will be there. We really anticipate that there will be a number of years where the two systems will work side by side and where the cutover itself for institutions as well as for vendors, people in the marketplace who depend on these records, to, to sort of build their systems, make their differentials, and also to um, adopt and adapt the system to a way that fits their internal environment and also will fit whatever cataloging rules they are subscribing to. Uh, and so what will, um, so what will the future hold or what, why are we here to, to sort of ask you to, to come to a session? Well, we have uh, some homework for you. And the homework is, since many of you are in the academy, I think it's okay to give homework, um, that we really want to hear from you. And we want you to be sort of watching us at every step of the way. We don't want to, we, I want you to begin to be that constituency that's the polar opposite of the IRS. I want to hear from you often. I want to know what you're thinking about what we are doing. Are we going in the right direction? Do we need to take a different path to this sort of end, to the, to the new mark or the world where all information can be connected and found through a bibliographic framework. And we want you to encourage your staffs to experiment with what is on the website and to tell you that about every six to eight weeks there will be major things that you will need to see. We will continue to um, attend conferences and uh, hold focus groups and all the things that we've done in the past but that we've started again to do at BibFrame to keep you engaged, to keep vendors informed in a, in a community sense, and to hope that um, we can get there, that we can find the new system that will enable everything to be connected so the researcher can find what they need and not have to worry that they have to go to different silos or different systems, but that they can come to your library or archive or museum or the Library of Congress and be able to do this global searching. So Sally, is there anything you would like to add? Okay. So what we want to do, um, and I guess we'd hoped more, less for the ballroom, but we're happy to dance with you in any way. Uh, and more for a small room is to sort of hear a little bit about what, you th what you're thinking about us leaving Mark and then the process that we're using. Um, and, uh, and today, as well as in the future, we, we want this to be an ongoing conversation. Sally, do you want to answer that? So the next phase. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, right. With early experimenters, we've been uh, working more or less, I mean, they've been working among themselves and developing these issue papers. We want to get those out. Uh, we want to get some recommendations coming out of those. We want to get those out to the community because they're really big issues that do need a lot of thought. We don't have all the answers. We have some recommendations, but we don't have the, uh, we, we're not sure of the answers. Uh, so that people can join in. But we want to get the papers out when we do that because we want people to, to join in with some basics, with some understanding, with some background, rather than just you know, sort of off-the-cuff kinds of comments. And, and uh, so that's what we're, we're, we've got several of them in, having to do with collections and serials and aggregations, uh, one having to do with relationships and how you would, uh, how, how, what the patterns are. For, for doing relationships, which is a, a key factor in, in uh, everything that we're trying to do with BibFrame, but also it's a key factor in our new cataloging rules. Uh, and um, trying to think, um, authorities. The, if you've looked at the model, there's something called authorities in the, in the, the large model, the BibFrame model. Uh, how does that work? Because we're, we're looking at, if you really read the model carefully, you'll see there's sort of an indirection with respect to the authorities. And we know that there are several places where authorities exist now. How, how are we going to handle that in the future environment? Uh, so there's a paper, again, discussing that, discussing, well, you could do this, or you could do that. And, and so that's the kind of thing that we expect in the next couple of months we want to get about, there are about a half dozen or seven or eight issues. We want to get these papers out so that you, ha one, have some background, and two, you can then, we want to hear your feedback. Because we don't, we're, we're, we've got a tool that we want people to be able to use, but we, you, and we have to implement something in that tool to be able to make you able to use it. But that doesn't mean that's the answer. That's just what we, you know, as far as we can get with that, with, at that point in time. And then we want the discussion to, in fact, cause a revision. Let me, let me ask a question to start. Um, I know this is motivated by, uh, uh, one of the motivations is improving discovery services for, for a library, uh, discovery that comes from external to the library. Um, I'm wondering whether the goal is kind of bound by something closely related to that, or whether your goal is something considerably more ambitious, which would be to, in a sense, create a, an integrated information environment uh, for the US or the world. So um, it, it just as kind of to throw out some examples, I mean, is this, would you be heading towards something where, for example, with Ferber, um, where you have um, different libraries that come in at different levels in terms of the work, the manifestation, whatever, where all of that could be seen in an integrated way. That's kind of one step towards that type of integration. Another step would be uh, towards seeing small collections that may not be mark-based deal with a lot of these uh, collections, to see them as part of some kind of integrated information environment, you know, things like that. So how, how ambitious is this, and where, 
where, where do you see it um, heading? I'm going to let Sally take over the mic for the Ferber, but I do want to address the first part. And yes, very much that the Library of Congress, and we may not be the sole uh, sort of owner of this um, integrated uh, structure that does sort of look globally, not just nationally, but of course globally initially. Um, but that's very much the goal of all the things that we're trying to do. The um, consortia that we are joining, the ones that we're starting, uh, our whole idea of educating the next generation of citizenry, all of that is aimed at sort of a national, if not international, goal or presence that the Library of Congress might lead or be co-leading with, but definitely recognizing that that's critical to um, our national future, definitely. Now, I thought you were going to say, you were going to ask about museums and archives, but you, and maybe you, you mean, I mean, well, you, globally libraries, globally museums and archives yeah. also. Yeah. And, and of course we have an ambition. Yes, we do have that ambition. You know, whether we can fulfill that is, is another question because a lot of people have had that ambition. Uh, but uh, we are looking to, uh, we have up to now within BibFrame really looked at all those million, billions of records we have, which are library records generally, and and we have uh, uh, and we've looked at essentially in the context of their cataloging rules and the new cataloging rules because we do have to satisfy that. But we're also in the next few months we we hope to be able to start uh, getting some people to look at things like CCO and DAC, some of the other catalog prominent cataloging rules from the other communities, and say, okay, here's a model, a high-level model. Can you, how do you see yourself in that, and how, what, what would we do? Is there, some is there something fundamental that we can all use, and you have to have something extra, or how does it work in? With respect to Ferber, that's, that's in fact also a factor in our trying to look at, uh, uh, accommodate RDA fully, and uh, we don't see it as, uh, you know, well, I don't, I'm not sure how you see Ferber in, in the coming environment, but it may be an internal system thing that you can chop things up, but as long as they're well identified, you can chop things up. We're looking at the exchange environment, and so that, and that may have a, a slightly different picture. But as you see, we, we're, we're sort of a little bit out on, on a limb in that we're looking at at least two levels of, of, uh, of um, resource description uh, in Ferber. In, um, Bib frame now. We're not looking at four levels, but but two levels, and so those are all things to be determined. But it's it, it's a very good point. So thank you very very much for coming this morning.